Hello, my friends. Welcome to Let's Talk. My name is Shay Marville, and I think one of the most important skills in this world is being able to have a conversation with a friend or a foe. Let's Talk is a podcast about listening, growing, connecting, and hoping through compassion and talking. And I mean really talking about the good things and the hard things, and with remarkable people living in a remarkable time. So let's talk. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Let's Talk. On today's episode, I had the phenomenal opportunity to spend some time with the founder of the Clear Insight Program, Mark Fornicero. He was once an investment broker on Wall Street and Bay Street. He has an entrepreneurial gene in him where he's continually creating new businesses and and helping other entrepreneurs grow their business. And now he teaches meditation to business leaders across North America. Mark, welcome to Let's Talk. Now, I hear that you uh, have created this virtual site uh, that is about insight and mindfulness and business awareness. And I'm so curious because you used to be an investment banker, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's quite a trajectory. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long way from where I was uh, 10 years ago, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so the Clear Insight Program is so it's sort of like the latest evolution of my attempt to support people around decision-making and choices, um, mm. particularly with business, but with the people I was working with in the past. So at the last sort of seven or eight years, I was focusing primarily on strategy design um, yeah. for, for founders and CEOs of sort of the small to medium-sized business, um, not the corporate type, of, uh, corporate type of players, but people who own their own business or launch their own business or run it for many years. And helping them just organize their strategy, particularly if they wanted to exit. And what I came to find, um, Shay, was that um, a lot of these choices ended up really focusing and hinging on uh, how people felt about the business inside. Like not really the gears of the, the nuts and bolts of sales mm. and costs and profits, but really how they felt about the business. Um, and everything became a change management project. So we yes. would invest a lot of time and effort and money, their money, uh, into devising <laughs> these strategies. Um, and it would take months and it would be a huge buy-in from them and their team personally um, and on an emotional and energetic level. Um, but honestly, very seldom would the changes get run all the way through. Um, and it's right. not just the work that we were doing. Uh, McKinsey, which is a big consulting business, a global consulting company, did a, a research report several years ago and discovered that 70 to 80 percent of change management projects don't actually work even at the corporate level right and that's a lot of money being spent on something yeah. that never really gets implemented absolutely and uh, you know and i was getting frustrated by that because i wanted to affect change mm -hmm. and i wasn't seeing the changes showing up um, in these businesses and and what it came down to for me was i didn't think the people that we were asking to make the changes weren't ready to change themselves so all these business change management projects really became a change, man change management project for the individual leaders themselves. Um, and they just weren't resourced. They weren't equipped to handle some of the choices and just the energetic settings that they were finding themselves on. They were unclear on what their values were and 
kind of what their identity was. So much of their identity, particularly if you're the founder of a, you know, a business is wrapped yes. up in the business itself. And so, you know, I was frustrated by that and I wanted to support them in, in getting clear on things like identity and values and, and then the other things like strategies and behaviors. And but, but you're not talking about uh, strategic branding. Um, you, you're really talking about digging very deeply into the values and the core of who, who someone is. That's right. And that, and that that's related to how they operate the business, how they operate as human beings with other people within that business, and then that that's related to an outcome. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. How did you come to that sort of very evolved thought process? Yeah. So I had, so there was just going on in the background behind all this was my own personal journey for lack of a, over, or for using an over, you know, beating <laughs> an overused word. Uh, but my own journey around meditation and mindfulness um, and, um, and Vipassana in particular, and all the help that that's given me and helping me get grounded and, uh, delivering a sense of calm and balance and focus into my life that hmm. um, supported a lot of the decisions and choices that I've been making over the last, you know, almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. So for me, it became apparent that as uh, on the one hand, I had these clients who weren't resourced at a personal level to think about and talk about things like identity and values um, and how that getting clear on that would support them in the business choices they wanted to make. And at the other hand, at a deeper level, even below that was the sense of personal space and calm that you need in order to even ask the questions of things hmm. like identity and values. So if you take that whole identity value conversation and go one layer below that, well, what do you need to support those types of conversations? And for, for me, it's, it's a place of calm and balance. And the way I deliver that to myself or support myself in that is through mindfulness. Uh, and okay, so I'm, I have like a thousand questions for you, but you know, we have obviously limited time. You don't have all day to spend with Shay. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious about how you took your perspective being in the banking business for, you know, 20 or 20 plus years, um, which is, I think it, the way you worked was you were working in a very fast paced environment and it could change rapidly. How did you move from that mindset to adopting mindfulness as a mindset that would be useful for business? Yeah. Wow. Well, um, you're, you're right. So I, I had come from a background, a very transactional background of 25 years of working in very large trading rooms and for very large financial institutions. It was very short-term oriented. It was very outcome-based. Um, mm. And I, and I don't think I really had the awareness to even know that that really wasn't the right place for me. I was kind of so caught up in it. Um, really? And it was such a part of my identity um, as a person that it wasn't until later when I was doing a lot of sitting and meditating and stillness that I started to realize that that wasn't really making me happy. Hmm. And and I, and I couldn't have known that unless I'd actually just taken the time to sit and be still and be quiet and just sort of reflect, as you know, you're a, you know, a meditation teacher that, you know, the breath and just sitting and focusing is it's like a mirror, you know, yes. it, it lets you turn back and look at yourself. And I had never really 
done that before. I, I stumbled into meditation. I think I heard somebody talk about it on a podcast once as <laughs> something that, you know, high performance people do and typically mm -hmm. still in that mindset. I'm like, well, if that's what high performance people do, then maybe I should check that out too. Um, and it was really not any more complicated than that. And, mm. and that was like 10 years ago. And it's just morphed over time of, of, you know, more practice and more study and more learning and retreats. And, and now, um, you know, teaching it to people um, that I came to understand that this was really the basis for everything. Um, mm. all, dis all decisions and all choices um, for everything. Uh, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're struggling with that, that sort of stillness and calm, I, it's so hard, I think, to ride the waves and make choices that we have to make every day if, if we're sort of fighting life all the time or just, to, you know. And we're not aware that we're, we're, we're making choices sometimes from this unconscious level, right? So many of us. So yeah. when you learn to become more meditative or mindful or sit in the practice of silence, you start to, you know, like this other universe of awareness expands in you, which is what I, I love. And I feel like for me, meditation, every time I go to my pillow or to the carpet or a closet because it's so loud in the house right now sometimes <laughs> with everybody home that I'm I'm gonna discover something else today. But I'm curious about moving from business and 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 you've also like I mean beyond in um being involved in investment banking for 25 years, you have a lot of entrepreneurial gumption and you've uh, supported and, and done a lot of startups. You and your wife have created ACE, uh, the co-working space, which is how we met. Um, you're, so, you're sort of a serial entrepreneur now. How do you convince people who are like that and have that kind of personality mindset uh, that something like sitting in silence is useful to them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's a couple of things in there. Um, partly I'm not always trying to convince them of anything. Um, <sighs> so I'm happy to share, you know, what I've learned in my insights and what I've come to know to be true for me with as many people as want to hear it. Um, but I, I don't go all the way to trying to convince them of anything. So yes. I, I I fully accept that this is approach may not be for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and I sort of tell them that at the beginning. I mean, this is the program that I developed, the Clear Insight program most recently. I mean, we're going to go deep and it's not, it's not a hack and it's not, um, you know, it's not a shortcut to, to anything. It's, it's actually the long cut. Um, but if you're prepared to spend the time to go deep and really work at a foundational level, mm -hmm. uh, starting with your own self-awareness and, uh, and breath, um, there's a, you know, just so many benefits that can rise up out of that. And, and, and to your point, I mean, particularly in the commercial world, some people will, will sort of push back against that. It'll feel a little squishy um, mm. or not hard enough um, in mm -hmm. terms of commerce, you know, like they don't, they're, they're afraid they might lose their edge or something like that. Um, and I point out to them that really what could be more beneficial for commerce and business than to see the world as it is mm -hmm. without the narrative in your mind of all the things that are going to, that you're telling yourself that are really just narratives in your own mind about your employees or 
the next opportunity that's in front of your, you or your company. Um, you know, we really get in our own way. This is one of the things that I came to learn in working in the strategy space was people just got in their own way a lot. Interesting. Um, and they just, you know, it wasn't a huge fix to kind of shake them out of that. It just required some patience and some calm. Right. Um, and, and the biggest outcome of that for them is that the, you see the world as it is. And what's more beneficial than to make choices with all the clarity and awareness that's available to you? I, I wonder also about uh, com- being competitive. And, you know, when you're in business, sometimes for some people, part of why they're in business, they're sort of driven by this desire or um, they're inspired to be competitive. And that's something that they've been driven by all, all their life. Do you think that your practice and the process that you're sharing helps uh, an entrepreneur or someone in business to become more competitive or less competitive? Or where do they fall in that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that it would make them necessarily more or less competitive. I think it will get them dialed in into why they want to achieve those wins in the first place, right? Mm. So competition is about some sort of checking of a box, right? right. It's, a, it's a W in the, in the win. It's a win call. It's a check in the win column. If you're a sporting person or a big contract that you sign or something like that. Um, but there's something that sits behind that that's motivating you to want to do that. Um, and again, that's, that's things that are going on um, at a deeper level. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I mean, I, I, sure. I'm not suggesting that because you're, you know, you become more aware of why you want wins and losses that you don't have, you don't have them anymore. I mean, quite the opposite sometimes because you can cut through the, you know, you can cut through the weeds even faster. Um, mm. But I think there's a, you know, an awareness about why that's important to you um, and why you're doing those things that will allow even more space for you to have more of that, if that's mm-hmm. what you actually want. I mean, there are plenty of people that I worked with that were just chasing, just chasing wins for the sake of chasing wins, and they, they weren't any happier. If anything, they were getting more miserable. Interesting. Uh, and it's it hard to watch, quite honestly. I mean, it just. Do you think? Do you think that as you get older within an industry? having some sort of process like so you know once you maybe you've been in an industry for 10 20 30 years that that having a some sort of practice where you're looking at the object the problem the service the product in a from a completely different point of view um is is helpful to kind of move you into a new direction or help you transition or you know get through the midlife yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, that's basically strategy is what you're describing there, right? Is having a process to make some choices around, around whatever it is you're attacking in, in business or, you know, personal strategy, you know, life strategy or a commercial strategy, um, as opposed to just sort of chasing shiny objects, um, which I often saw in business, right? Right. Um, so, I mean, having that system in place will absolutely support you. Um, to make better choices. To me, it was all about decision-making and choices. Um, and the best place to make a decision and a choice is from a place of calm, mm-hmm. focus, um, and balance. So, so certainly the more, you know, the more years you've got, um, you know, behind you, to get your perspective <laughs> is a huge benefit. Um, you know, the downside is, is that you can become sort of path dependent, right? You do things the way you've always done them. Oh, 
exact well patterns, right? You use you, you get into a habit and you do things a certain way, and that's all that you know. And I think one of the things, you know, one of the reasons that I have done many things is that I'm continually curious, but I feel like every time I do something new, I learn a new skill and then I add that to my toolbox. And then it somehow keeps it, it keeps opening doors, which is what where where some people feel you know, I don't want to really take a chance and try something new. I'm a bit afraid. Now, now I'm so curious though, you and your partner created a set, a space, a collective co, uh, co-working space. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, yeah. So we launched ACE co-working, which is in the town that you and I live in, in Oakville, yes. um, in Ontario, um, in 20, first part of 2019. So we're in, we've got three years behind us now. And, um, and Nancy, my wife was a freelance writer at the time. And I was doing my consulting work on a freelance basis. And so we were in and out of co-working spaces ourselves, um, particularly in Toronto, when we would go to see our individual clients there. And I had a meeting with somebody who had, uh, who was owning a, who owned a co-working space in like 20, like 2015, like a while ago. And uh, I was on the train coming back out to Oakville, and I thought to myself, man, we could really use one of these places in our town. Mm-hmm. Particularly, I was thinking about all the, my banker friends who were, we were all kind of getting jettisoned from our <laughs> corporate lives. You hit, a certain, you hit a certain age milestone in that industry, and uh, yes. you know, they, it's, it's time to leave. Um, and I was like, at the very least, I could fill it up with all the bankers in our town. Um, <laughs> so I thought, you know, but it, we, this could really be a good supportive you know, a really cool business, meet tons of people, um, and we need it. Yes. Um, and so I mentioned it to, uh, to Nance, and we both kind of chewed on it. She was familiar with it, obviously, from having worked in them. And we didn't do anything with it for about a year. Mm. And then we kind of brought it back, back up again and, and um, started doing some research. And I remember very clearly saying to her, you know, someone's going to launch this business in Oakville, yes. and we're either going to be working in it or we're going to be owning it. <laughs> and if we're working in it, I think we're going to be not happy. So I think yes. we should, I think we should just do it ourselves. So, um, you know, we scouted out a bunch of places and, um, and, you know, found the great, great location downtown and, and just kind of stepped into it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a bit more freewheeling in terms of risk, um, than Nancy is like, she yes. she really wants to get her ducks in a row and understand everything. And I'm, you know, coming from my investment banking days, it was, you know, you trusted your intuition a lot. And, right. And it just felt right to me. Um, you know, it was a proven business model that could succeed. Um, there was none in our town. I mean, there was certainly a risk of whether it would work in, in the suburbs or not. It was clearly proven in urban centers, but suburbs we didn't know about yet. But, um, you know, we had our upside. We knew the upside. We knew our financial downside. It was and the only thing, only thing else to lose was, you know, time. Um, you had no idea, like the rest of us, that the pandemic was coming. No. How, how, how did you pivot uh, the purpose of the space and, and how, you, how you make it work now? Can you share any of that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, so much of what we do at ACE is around community. I mean, it's our intention. Uh, I love a, that. Yeah, to build a community. And that, and that word can get a little worn out sometimes, too, but we really try to own it in the way that we, we behave every day. Um, so, you know, our first two, you know, two years, 2019, 
um, and most part of uh, 2020, you know, we were, um, you know, we were flying, we were doing great. And we were having, you know, great events. That's where, where we met you. We were yes. we had a great footprint um, in, within the community. And, and we just, you know, we had lots and lots and dozens and dozens of members and we were flying. And then this, you know, then the pandemic hit and it's, it hit everybody in different ways. To be quite honest with you, we're not one of those stories about, and then we pivoted to do this like online thing and everything came out okay. It, 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 it honestly, honestly wasn't the case. We, we honestly made the choice not to do that because um, mm. that's not the business we intended to run um, at hmm. the beginning. And it wasn't, it, it just, the opportunity wasn't there. We have a physical space where people come to come together. Yes. Um, and it just wasn't going to work. It was almost like a gym, like an end. Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of had, we kind of had a button down um, and just survive as I yes. see at the time. Some businesses are going to flourish through this. Some are going to just survive. Mm -hmm. We're in the survive mm -hmm. camp. Mm -hmm. so, no, no. You know, so we did, we, that's basically what we've done for the last year is just pull in our, you know, pull in our horns as much as we could um, continue to generate revenue within the model that we have um, yes. different revenue streams but you know we just we just had to eat it um, and mm. keep our brand alive and just stay connected to as many people as we could um, we did do online events and things like that mm -hmm. it's just not the same you know people we're energy people and we yeah. attract energy people that's how we found you, <laughs> you, know? you know what i have i have to say you know one of the things i really appreciate about ace is every person that i have met at ace I've had, um, I've sort of developed a friendship with and some people more significant than others. And so I, I really do feel like for me in, you know, part of 2019 or 2019 when I was, you know, when I started at ACE, I really felt like I met some very significant people who were both like friendly and business. Like there was a nice mix and, um, I, I, I'm really grateful for that. I really, I really, so I really do appreciate that. So I, I think that's something that you and Nancy have, I, I don't know how you've done it. I don't know how you've chosen some really um, amazing people to be in a collective space who don't know each other. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so great to hear Shay. I mean, that's, that's, that's why we did it. And, and, you know, we don't choose them. They, they choose us more than yes. anything. Um, we just try to create, that sort of collaborative supportive environment um, and it's worked. So um, just see so, people for what they are and, and have big arms, I guess. So has it been the development of ACE, the pandemic and the work you were doing before that has inspired this new, very direct path around combining mindfulness mindful awareness and business awareness yeah i feel you know i've been talking to, to a few people recently and, and you know as they asked me well, where, you know sort of where did this come from or what's the latest thing and and it feels like to me shay that this this has been 10 years in the making um, mm. in particular um you know collection of events that have transpired for me to to have this all come together, um, you know, many years of meditative practice, mm -hmm. um, many years of supporting business owners in decision making and strategy, um, having met so many people through our co-working space, um, and, uh, you know, who are in need of support, and I certainly they're not necessarily my clients, they're not almost to, you know, almost to the nth degree, but just <laughs> seeing the, you know, the, the need that's there, 
like I, I'm sure you've, you've experienced this, um, you know, when you start to develop just a, you know, a slightly more uh, subtle sense of awareness, mm -hmm. um, you just see like the pains too much, you know, but the suffering, like people struggle, are struggling with choices and things that are happening in their lives. And we all are, mm -hmm. um, we all are. And to me, there's this you know, very available tool that's there for everybody to lean on um, and to leverage it into business is great too. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, but it, yeah, you're right. It's sort of been these things that have just gone on, you know, gone into the blender of my experience of my life. Um, and it's kind of shown up in this way. So like, do, do, you, do you think that the timing also is really fitting for the timing of the life of Silicon Valley and all the te technology leaders who are kind of at this place now where they're making decisions about, do I stay, you know, they were founders and they were running their businesses and, you know, and now they're at a point where the businesses, you know, you know, either it either didn't survive or it's madly successful. Um, but they cannot keep up that pace. And there's, there's this whole uh, population of entrepreneurs that have come out of technology that operate at this level. Do you, do you think that's the kind of client or, you know, that's the kind of group you also focus on? Well, I, yeah, I think people who have gone through that type of uh, travel in terms of a business launch and all the things that go into running a business and, and growing it and scaling it and all the things that have become sort of part of the, you know, nomenclature of startup world. Um, you know, if you spend some time thinking about it and sort of stepping back and deciding, you know, asking yourself, well, what part of that was actually rewarding for me? Um, mm. What part of that did I actually enjoy? Um, you know, it's not usually the money. Um, right. Something else. Um, and often, you know, people, particularly in that sort of startup industry, you know, have, have exposure to the things that we're talking about and maybe are a little bit more conscious and aware of that, but not necessarily so. Um, and that they, you know, that they're prepared to have these types of conversations, you know, mm -hmm. with, with themselves and prepared to, to, to do the deep work that's going to sit at the heart of a more conscious uh, and aware life. Um, but it's certainly not you know, not only for uh, right. Silicon Valley world, it's for anybody that's prepared to ask these questions. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm just curious, though, about um, this population of people who are in many ways, like they, they've been entrepreneurs and have changed our economy, but they've also changed our society, right, with the types of platforms they've created and that we're some of us using obsessively. And, you know, I, 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 I think that mindfulness and, and different forms of meditation are extremely useful right now because of the speed of which we are getting information, sharing information. And I just, I just wonder if that has also been something that has sort of expedited your need to do this. Yeah. Uh, yes, I mean, absolutely. Um, I'm not always the biggest consumer of social media uh, anyway. Um, uh, but certainly to the extent that I 
you know, Twitter, I always thought was great. All the thought leaders that I would, you know, get turned on to and read and books and authors and things like that. Twitter for me was a great way to follow them and to see what was on, you know, what was coming up next. What was the next book they were working on? What was the latest research paper they'd written? What have you? It was a great channel for that. But it's become, as we know, like such a, a time cesspool that you can, mm. I, I can't even look at it anymore, <laughs> you know, like, and I became as particularly with the pandemic and just so much, I mean, I understand like the pandemic, we just hit the global anxiety button. You know, mm-hmm. if we ever wondered what it was going to be like if everybody got freaked out at the same time. Yes. Now we, now we know. Right. Yes. And it's, and it was just like the, the big red panic button. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, this is you know, pretty scary stuff. So yes, yes. And it just amplifies everything. Right. So the social media volume became even more amplified. And then everything that happened in the States over the last year or two, you know, the last year of the Trump administration, just the chaos and the social mm. unrest and, all the conversations that needed to happen and are happening and it all just came together at the same time, but then it was also amplified. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, know, you couldn't get away from it. So, um, you know, I, I, I have made a concerted effort to, to get away from it as much as I can. I mean, I just use it. I try to make a conscious effort to just use it as the tool that it is to mm-hmm. stay connected with the things I want to stay connected with. But, um, you know, for me, you know, I just very aware of like the media I ingest and, and the, right. the signals I get and the people I listen to. And, um, I'm, you, know, I'm, you know, it means, it means less, like less of all that. Oh, I, I, yeah, I like what you're saying. I think this, that's a really good and effective philosophy for managing, but also around the, the managing of your mental health and your emotional well-being, because, I think sometimes people think you can be very like you're just consuming this stuff and nothing's happening to it. You you see it, it goes in you and it goes out, but it doesn't, does it? No, no, it absolutely doesn't. And, and, and that has, you know, that element of sort of media bombardment has been with us in different forms for a long mm. time. My father's 84 years old and he's one of those, old guys who the CN, you know, CNN is on all the time. You go in my parents, <laughs> you know, in my parents' house, and and the C- and CNN is on, and yes, you know, and and I said to him, I remember saying to him a, a few years ago, like, Dad, that's not good for you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> this is just this drumbeat of like sensational news that's you know fed to you in sound bites. I don't care what your channel is, if Fox News or CNN doesn't really matter. This is right. not, this is not good for you, like or anybody, um, and you know, and, and that's just TV. That's just network, you know, cable TV. Right, I know. That's not even with them being on the internet, no, right? No. So, so where do you go? Um, are you, or no, actually, are you imagining what 2022 looks like already? Or, or are you just firmly in, you know, I'm just firmly in March? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I try, uh, you know, I, as you know, the practice, I mean, I try to be <laughs> in the moment as I can be. Um, you know, we all need to plan certain things, you know, for our life and, and what yes. have you. But in terms of where, you know, the work that we're doing now is going to be and, you know, even in six months from now, um, you know, I'm the eternal optimist. I mean, yes. you know, tell me all the time. You're like, you know, just, I, I, I think, you know, I generally think things are going to work out. I mean, uh, I'm just an optimist. I, I, you know, I look for reasons why things can be good and not why things might be bad. Um, right. Uh, and then I just let the, however they turn out and I roll with that. Um, so not blind optimism, just 
you know, just kind of being with whatever, whatever shows up and, and, and rolling with, you know, with, with the events as they transpire. So I'm not too, you know, 2022, I mean, I can't believe it's March already, but um, yeah, just trying to get, you know, just trying to get through this, what feels like the last leg of the, you know, the pandemic and, and yes. getting, um, you know, our businesses turned, you know, right side up again, the ones that are a little upside down, uh, <laughs> you know, bringing this, this story of, of mindfulness and, um, you know, awareness to, to decision-making, particularly around business. Um, mm. Keep rolling that out and you know, things will work out. What are, what are one or two or three tips you, you could give or share with a listener about how to become, you know, more aware it, whether it's in their personal life or as they are trying to navigate the challenge of, of running their business or existing in their business right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, at a, you know, at a very simple sort of foundational level, um, when, if you can start to develop some awareness, you know, a formal practice aside, but start to develop some awareness around that sort of instantaneous um, response in your body when something mm-hmm. sort of fiery comes up in the business, right? Um, maybe some one of your staff drops a ball, or maybe a client or a customer mm-hmm. does, you know, does something that you don't want to happen, or just something happens in the business that's negative. Um, you know, a sense of awareness around how that happens, how that shows up in your body first, because it always shows up in your body first. Um, and mm. if you can just get comfortable with at least just acknowledging that, I mean, yes, you know, and just, okay, I feel that, you know, that's, I feel that that's, yes. I feel that I can feel the temperature going up in my body and I can feel it in my throat or I can feel it in my stomach or I can feel mm-hmm. it in my head. Um, and that, you know, that can be just the first step to starting to become more aware of what's happening and where it's showing up for you and your body. There's a lot more work that, you know, obviously we can do after that, but that would be the first thing is to try, try and just notice that body sensation of when things are going wrong. Um, and, and why, why from your perspective, do you think that's important? Like someone might say, well, you know what, uh, I can notice that all day long, Shay and Mark, but what, what is that going to do for me? Yeah. So I'm sure you've had this experience, Shay, I'm working with all the people you work with, but the, you know, the, the hot button, you know, in the moment, bad decision that sometimes you can come back from and sometimes you can't, mm-hmm. um, you know, causes people more grief um, and does more damage um, to relationships and businesses and situations um, because they don't have the awareness to know that a button's been pressed. Yes. Um, so in a very real way, the ability to pause, even if it's just for a couple of beats, mm-hmm. um, you know, gives you a better chance of sort of, you know, at least being able to maybe step back and maybe make a different choice. Maybe not saying that first thing that pops into your mind that's not very constructive. Um, you know, that's that's a real outcome that can really help people. Um, yes, I, that really that's can, absolutely the truth in my experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. That was so fast. Oh, my goodness. You know, maybe, yeah, I think I'm going to have to meditate with you. Um, You know, I I think uh, because it's it's our time has gone by really quickly. One last kind of comment question. 
I actually first met you at Greco Fitness. Right. <laughs> and I kind of think it's funny <laughs> that these two meditators are at this <laughs> high intensity yeah. workout, yeah. Uh, doing this high intensity workout. That, that's, that was a great workout. Yeah, yeah. A full shout out to those guys. That's our uh, one of our local gyms in Oakville, and uh, and they're hanging on too. God yes. bless them. You know. Um, so uh, yeah, it is kind of weird. I mean, I, uh, I Shay, I, I you know, I try to be very, you know, very conscious of uh, physical fitness and emotional fitness and mental fitness. So I, it, it's like a mantra I say to myself every day: just something to feed, you know, something to feed my body. Yes. If it's not going to the gym, it's walking the dog. Um, something to feel, feel you know, feed my energy. For me, that's my daily meditation practice. Mm -hmm. um, and then something to feed my mind. So either reading or writing, uh, typically. Um, mm -hmm. And if I can keep feeding those three areas of my being, then, you know, again, in the blender, so something should, something good should come out of it. I, I completely agree. Mark, thank you. Thank you for joining me on Let's Talk. Completely painless, I think. Yeah. And yeah. and I'm just so grateful. I want to wish you continued success uh, with Ace and with all that you're doing. And I'm looking forward to um, doing more with you and having you back on the show. I'm sure people are going to have questions and we'll have questions for you. So thank you so much. Thank you for joining the conversation. We are growing an amazing community here at Let's Talk. Please share the show. Make sure you're subscribing and keep talking. And you can always reach out to me at CoachShayMarville.com or on Instagram at ShayMarvilleLet'sTalk. Let's keep talking.